Hello and welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Trillionaire. <laughs> uh, the ugliest podcast in the verse with the bestest, most beautifulest of ideas. Today, I guess I'm going to talk about more of the game stuff. Back to the gaming, back to the uh, the greatness of games and what we can do to make games greater. Because games are awesome. And I never finished that last episode, and I want to finish it because I think it will be so dope. There's so much to talk about in terms of gamification of life, lifeification of games, and I want to just jump into it. Alright, so um, I've seen like, like a huge problem with games right now. Um, a lot of people feel like, you know, games are kind of getting samey, you know. A lot of games are kind of cookie cutter, very repetitive formulaic um some people like to blame the the uh i don't know what you i forgot what the, ah, words man i always forget uh but basically people blame the idea of like ease and convenience of loot crates of um rng of mobile gaming even all this stuff that kind of dumbs down games in people's perspective and certain people's perspective and also the monetization efforts a lot of people like to think that um games like call of duty were so big because they were stupid simple you just you know running guns just grab a gun and shoot not really realistic on the how the gun shoot as long as it feels good um same thing for that you can say for the uh, mmo genre you know order Warcraft was so great i don't know quote <laughs> I never played it, so I don't know. Um, but, you know, a lot of people see it as one of the greatest MMO games. Um, and ever since, most of the MMO games that's come out um, have pretty much been cookie-cutter copies of that idea. But they're kind of more more so pale, pale imitations, poor imitations of that idea. Because the core idea, uh, from what I've seen, that makes... World of Warcraft so popular and so big is the story building. I mean, the world building. Is that you can have lore, you can have quests, you can have weapons, you can have all this stuff in the game, and they're all rooted in the game world. So if you get, if you if you earned an object, if you got like a sword of a mighty sword of power or whatever, um, according to like a lot of what I've read about you know the game, the that sword would have history. You know, the lore of that sword could be traced back to some people somewhere else on the continent, uh, the world, Azeroth or whatever it's called, of World of Warcraft. And, you, and, and even further beyond that, it's not just like, it's not just a, a story some, some developer wrote for that, you know, um, sword. It's something you can actually go to. So if they say that sword of mighty being is from the east of Azeroth, from this, from this myth or whatever, apparently a lot of these... Were, ha- were able to be traced back. So you can go to that town, you can meet that smith that created that sword, in a manner of speaking. You know, I'm not sure how deep this goes, I'm not sure for how expansive this goes, but um, a lot of what I read for stuff like World of Warcraft is that very thing right there. Um, in addition, there, uh, there, there, there was like a meaning to like a lot of the quests. You know, you do a quest, even if it's a fetch quest, at least it has the, the, the pretensions of actually um, helping some, uh, the, the town that you're in or the, the person that you're giving for, you know, it, it, there's at least some progress that you're seeing. Um, what the pale imitations of these 
games have taken is that when you do a fetch quest, when they say, you know, go get me 10 flowers, you're just getting 10 flowers. And then, I don't know, thanks for getting those flowers. <laughs> Sometimes they might say, oh, yeah, now I can give them to my love. And you're like, what, what does this have to do with the quest? Nothing. <laughs> they, just, they just knew you had to have a fetch quest, so they put it in there. When they say go kill 10 wolf skins, and you take, you take the, you kill 10 wolves, I guess you get the skins, and then, I don't know, that's it. <laughs> so a lot of games feel empty. This is the same for uh, first-person shooters, you know? You start, you, um, you go kill some enemies in this room, or in this level, in this map, and that's it. You just kill them because, you know, I guess they're on the bad side. Uh, there's not much fleshing out of, of what the other side is, what the... What the um, what the quote-unquote enemies are, who are their enemies. You know, certain games have actual reason, like Wolfenstein, where they're, you know, crazy Nazis and all that stuff. But most games, they just, you know, I guess zombies. They just kill zombies because they're zombies, you know. That's what makes a lot of zombie games easy. Um, so a lot of people, that's what makes a lot of them kind of annoying, or at least they, they kind of become boring because they're all the same. They're all the same... Uh, all the same template, you know? And that gets tiring after a while. Yeah, it sells well because at first it's easy, you know? It's not only easy for developers or for, you know, I'm not saying how easy it is to create, I'm just saying how easy it is for to, to write in terms of uh, development, in terms of the plot, in terms of, you know, the depth of the game. That part is easy because all you got to do now is just focus or just get more zombies for people to kill, get different, a little bit different types of zombies and, you know, a different type of enemies, whatever. You know, you don't have to worry about too much death. Like, how, do the, how exactly do the zombies work? Like, what, what created the zombies? You know, was it a disease? Was it aliens? Whatever. Can you stop the disease? How do you stop the disease? What's the science behind it? You know, nobody really goes into all that much death too much in most of that, these types of games. And that is the problem. Because they are easy to create and easy to consume at first. But because it's so easy to consume, you get, you get tired of it more quickly. It's like, it's like going to McDonald's every day, you know? <laughs> you might, even if you are a big fan of McDonald's, you're going to get tired of McDonald's. You're going to want something more substantial or something different, something, you know, uh, new. And I believe... One of the best ways to really, um, really flesh out this new, this next generation of gaming, is to go into depth. Um, is to have more systems like Legend of Zelda. Oh my gosh, Legend of Zelda is such a, such a great game because um, it it goes into depth about every, just about every portion of the game. Some parts, don't get me wrong, there's some problems there. You know, like, like the Korok seeds and oh my gosh, it's kind of annoying. Yeah, it's cool that you can. You can use those seeds eventually, but they just get progressively more... You know what I mean if you play the game. <laughs> but um, the point is with Zelda, they have... Uh, I don't know why, why I try. I forgot the word. But they basically have um, a, a, a form of, of um, emergent gaming, emergent principles, where you have systematic... Uh, Systems, <laughs> systematic elements of the game that play together. Like for instance, okay, you have fire, um, but fire. I mean, ah, backwards. So you have a grass, right? And grass flows, and grass is flammable. So if you put fire on the grass, 
it will t catch fire, you know? And if there's enemies on there, or you're touching that, that grass where it catches fire, you turn on fire, or the, or, the, or the, um, the enemies, you know, catch fire, and they take damage, you know? Some games, they would just have grass, and it's just there. If you drop a torch in the ground, nothing happens, because those systems aren't really connected. There's not even two different systems. There's just props. The torch is usually a prop that has light come out of it, and the ground is just the ground. You know, there's no depth to it. But in Zelda, you know, the grass has, is its own system. You know, it flows. You can cut it. If you cut it, there's stuff that comes out. If you put fire on it, it burns. If there's wind blowing while that fire is on it, that fire spreads. You know, if it rains, that, well, that grass gets wet. You know, when you're walking through the grass, you make noise. If it's raining while you're walking through the grass, you make less noise. See, it's like depth to the system. They take one element and say, hey, what if, you know, you can do all these things with it? You know, what if this one element is not just a prop? What if it's like, you know, more of a real world system? How would it interact with everything else? I think that's what more games need to do. And then that way you can have open world games or even linear games that actually feel more substantial, that feel more fun to play. Because right now we have, you know, constant, constant um, churning, constant freaking watermill of, of games coming out. And a lot of them are just, you know, the, just the same old, same old. That's why games, when, when games like, like, like Rage comes out, you know, it's surprising people. When people first, I lot like, I'm pretty sure a lot of us, um, when we heard about Rage Two, we was like, oh, another sequel. And it's not even a sequel to a game that we necessarily wanted. It's a sequel to a game that most people didn't even know about. <laughs> and so people are like, oh man, another sequel, another shooter. And it turns out, yeah, it's an open world game. People are kind of tired of open world games too. But it turns out, it actually has a lot of pretty deep systems. I haven't played it myself yet. But I've seen a lot of, you know, the gameplay, and it looks exciting. A lot of people are like, whoa, this looks really nice. Why? Because you have um, enemies that are, you know, kind of, first of all, you have diverse enemies. You have different enemy types, and you have a, a, a shooting me me mechanism that feels impactful. Like when you hit a person they, with a shotgun or whatever, you can charge it up and they'll blast back. Because it's a shotgun, of course it'll blast back, shouldn't it? Yeah. Um, so they can blast back. And if you hit, if there's a lot of people behind that person, they, that person hits another person. Or that blast um, punches through them and hits the person behind them. That feels impactful. That feels like there's somebody gave some thought to how the shotgun should, should um, interact. And then um, the character, they're, they're a scout or whatever. No, not a scout. A ranger. And they have powers. You know, they basically have like this dash sideways. So when you're dashing sideways, you can um, dodge a lot of... Um, incoming fire but not only that as you're dashing sideways or after you dash sideways the enemy loses track of you so they can't easily lock back onto you because you just you know suddenly jump 10 feet to the side it makes sense why so there's some depth to the system here and for a lot of people as they look into, at these trailers these gameplay mechanics they're like hey this has some depth that I haven't seen in another game before. Even, it's, even though it's the same shooter. It's, it's just another shooter. It's just another open world game. You know, we have, we've seen these tons of times before. But because the game mechanics have that systematic emerging gameplay, you feel like this will be different. And it is. It looks different, you know. And that's definitely what I want to go into. Um, that's the thing, kind of things I want to see 
and the future of games. And to bring that home, I'm going to talk about like my game. Like I've been thinking about a game that I want to do, do that I wanted to develop for a very long time now. Um, I know a lot of people kind of feel like weird, worried when they like talk about you know their dreams or or, or like they have an idea they don't really want to share because they worry people will will steal it. But I kind of want people to steal my idea, not exactly, of course. But I want people to try to implement these things before I do to prove that they, it can be implemented. It can be. I want that validation because I know it's it, it can be done. Um, but I'm not really sure how hard it would be to do it. And I certainly don't have the means to do it right now. So it would be cool if, you know, somebody steals these certain mechanics and puts it in their game. And it proves that, you know, it works. And after that point, I can have even more mechanics and make it even better. But anyways, yeah, for my game, I'm not going to say the plot and all that stuff. Because that can be easily stolen. And that can be easily, like... If somebody steals a plot, like, and, and you come up with with your own, that's like the exact same plane. They can, uh, it's just a mess. But the mechanics themselves, basically, right? I want a game that has a huge use of verticality in the game. That has, uh, I want it, it to be an open world game where you go around, you use a full planet size thing. I'm not sure if it has to be like planet scale one to one. Probably not, because unfortunately, that's very it's very difficult to do on the technical side and on the game mechanic side. It doesn't. This it's very hard to make it feel like it's alive. Like right now, we live on this earth, but um, if you just walk outside, you won't really see much happening. <laughs> um, maybe if you live in a city that's really dense, that density is what causes more of the emergent gameplay in your everyday life. Um, if you live out in the country, that's like ah. Uh, you have to make your own fun, you know. <laughs> There's tons of stories about that. Um, but if you just, you know, if you're walking in, in, in 90% of the world outside of civilization, you're not really going to see much. Maybe you might see nature, you know, but you have to sit there for a long time to really see something happen, really see something exciting happen. And so making a game world that's one-to-one -one scale of the real world is actually not very good. Because of that aspect, because of that truth, like, not everything is, is exciting, you know? So you can't often have, you know, one one scale like that. So size does not necessarily matter. However, however, a certain size is, is useful for telling certain stories. And in my, um, my game, it makes sense to have the entire world accessible, you know, to have a literal open world. For my plot. So that's one thing. I want it to be open world. But I don't want it to be just like a. Uh, you go across the ground. And to get anywhere. Right. Why? Because it's been done like ad infinitum times. Almost every single game does that. <laughs> Almost every. Especially every. Um, every uh, MMO game. You know. It's the same. You, people don't really think about like. You're, 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 you're starting on the ground. So a lot of the ground. A lot of the gameplay is by default going to be very similar to any other game that you've played. That's why a game like Air, um, Infinite Realm, I think it's called, um, the new MMO game, seems very interesting because, like, you start out in the air. Like, you start out on, a, on freaking airships. You start out with, with, with mounts that allow you to fly through the air. So, already, the gameplay is different than anything you've ever played. 
people were excited about um, Ark because of the ships or the um, the game that Ark became. Was it Ark or no? The the one that um, yeah, it was Ark. Um, the the game. I'm sorry, I got that mixed up. So the game I was actually thinking with the ships. That's uh, um, Ark World Ark. Ark something, I forgot. But um and then Ark the pe- the developers that made Ark made a new game. That game was horrible when it came out. But the <laughs> the trailer looked really interesting because a lot of it was like ship naval combat. You know, there's not a lot of MMOs or pretty much any MMOs really that do a lot of naval combat. So that by default seemed different. So what I want to do in my game is have um a lot of verticality, right? Where you use something like freaking freaking um uh, what's it called? Air gear, or the uh, what they use in um, Attack on Titan with the grappling. I think that would be a really cool default mechanism, you know, for moving around for a large amount of people to be just you know grappling back and forth, and then you can have some people flying around, um, like an anthem. Anthem is another reason is another really, was another really exciting game because by default you're flying around in like a Iron Man type of suit. That seemed very interesting. Um, but of course, when it came out, it was pretty much uh, was a mess. But um, the point is that you know, starting out with the different, uh, the different movement style with a different landscape by default um, makes your gameplay different and emergent and unique. So yeah, that's one thing I want to have. Another thing I want to have is the ability to um, have a plot line. That drives the very story of the game. That drives the everyday gameplay. So, um, Guild War Two is sort of a um, uh, is sort of a early example of what I want to do here. Um, I've played a Guild War Two, Guild Wars Two for about you know about a year or two. Um, so they have living stories where you know an event happens and a lot of a lot of the uh, gameplay turns into you know how how to basically going through this event so uh when the game first i wasn't there when the game first started but you know when you first start the game you like fight this big boss usually um and that's pretty cool then you but the problem is in, in get worse too that a lot of the dynamic gameplay or like a lot of the so-called so-called living worlds um it's it's uh what do you call it fraction it's it's a uh, fractal uh, not fractal it's sharded so it's instanced. It's a better term. It's an actual term. It's instant. So you have um, like a big boss for the living world DLC or whatever, um, but it's not in the everyday. Like you can't, you can't be like in in. Um, shoot, I haven't played it in so long. I forgot the names of the places. But basically, you can't be on the regular map and just walk into the the content. You know, usually you have to load into it. And granted, a lot of Guild Wars 2 is loading screens between, like, each each area of the map is instance. So that's kind of, you know, not much they can do about that. But the, the uh, I definitely think you can have an open world game where a living world concept is actually living world. So in Guild Wars 2, um, I think it was in Season 2 or something like that, and the, um, one of the main cities got destroyed. In the living world content series. So when the game got updated, you load back into the game the next day, and the city's destroyed. You know, and you're like, oh snap! This is this is it's changed things, right? And then, then as uh, as the game updates through the next couple months, you know, um, whenever the game updates, 
the more of the city has has been repaired, right? And so as you're doing quests, you know you see you see NPCs um, making repairs, but of course those repairs aren't really aren't really real. They're not um, live. They're not real element. They're not real systematic gameplay elements. You know, it's props. You know, and again, that's limited to the technology. They can't. They probably can't really show NPCs building the city like their Minecraft characters, you know, like your Minecraft players and literally building the city. So each time you update the game, then there's a, you see that progress. But I want to make a dynamic world where the NPCs are literally building in front of you, right? Where you start out in a small town and as you progress, it doesn't just pop up to the next one. No, you actually see the NPCs, you know, take some wood that you, you even if you do a fetch quest, for instance, you say you go chop down some trees. So you chop down the trees, bring it to them, and they take their wood and literally build the house in front of you. Right? Not, again, not just a, not just a instant put the wood down and make a hammer noise and boom, there's a house. No, like they're literally putting the wood there, nailing it down, next one, put the wood, nailing it down, you know, all this, <laughs> and after a couple uh, days, a couple weeks, a couple um, months, even, they built a new um, part of the city. Maybe that would make it a longer, that, would, that might draw some things out, but at the same time, I don't think that's a bad thing for a MMO, for a uh, big multiplayer game. Usually, you want to play a game like that to be invested into it, to see progress over time. So, um, I definitely think it will be a powerful mechanism for, for uh, gameplay elements to be emergent like that. To have NPCs that can build um, upon the game as you're playing it. So um, even if you leave and come back, uh, uh, if you leave for a year, you come back and the game has changed so much. But in a, in a uh, viewable way, like you can tell like the progress of how... The game changed. It wasn't like sudden bursts where you just leave and come back and everything has totally, you know, <laughs> gone crazy. No, you just, you've, you've, you've seen the gameplay. And not only that, but other NPCs have had noticed, like, the changes. So people, like, there might be NPCs who, who, who are just regular people. You know, they're not, they weren't on the construction team. So when you ask them, hey, I see you have a new building there. You're like, yeah, the construction team, blah, 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 blah. They can tell you. And so that requires the NPCs themselves to be a little bit procedural, but also to be aware of the gameplay world. Um, again, I'm not sure how difficult this will be, but I think it will be extremely fun and interesting to see that. Because in a lot of games, NPCs are obviously scripted. So painfully, you know, obviously scripted that it kind of takes you out of that immersion. It takes you out of the world. Because you talk to NPC, like, okay, yeah, give me my quest, blah, blah, blah. All right, cool. I'm like, oh, that, that, that NPC actually has pretty good, you know, lines. Or that NPC has, has some good voice acting. You're, you're so far out of the immersion that you're no longer thinking about, you know, the backstory of this NPC or, you know, what this NPC does in their life. You know, you're not really thinking about the, uh, the game in its own element. It seems less, it seems more gamey to you. You know, it takes you out of it. But um, Legend of Zelda is, is a good example of this because in, in a lot of cases, the NPCs move around. So you might have a merchant like Beetle. You see Beetle like, hey, oh, wow, you're, you're at this place. <laughs> you, you go to his first place and you meet Beetle. He's like, okay, he's a merchant. And then you go to the next place and you meet Beetle again coming down the street. Like, oh, wow, Beetle, how'd you, how'd you get here so fast? Or, or I didn't know you was going to be here. You talk to him. He's like, hey, yeah, I, I remember you. I, I'm, I'm here too. You want to get something? 
Yeah, at the same time, you know that Beetle is just the same merchant. It's, um, you know that you know has the same lines, but at least they progress on it. So if Beetle sees you the second time, they say, "Hey, I remember you," or "Hey, you know, do you want something else?" You know, they they build on those those NPCs. Um, same thing for the the man that um, gives you the uh, gives you hints for where you can find the memories. You're like, "Hey, um, I, welcome back to this place." You know, I, I've seen you before. You know, stuff like that, small stuff like that really gets you more immersed into, into the game. Because now you're not really thinking about, okay, oh, it's just another NPC. You're thinking about, oh, wow, they, they, they have, you know, this NPC kind of follow me. Or this, or I've, I've met this NPC again. Or, you know, this, this person, you know, uh, remembers me. You know, so it becomes, whew, it becomes more immersive. It becomes more interesting to have that sort of gameplay. Um, another facet that I think will be super fun will, will be would be um, uh, mobs and or rather you know enemies that have that are I don't know really how to describe this in my in my in my game I just like my game uh, let me back up a second so for my game I don't want it to be just another shooter I want it to be a more future, futuristic game but I don't want it to be a shooter. Yeah, people can have guns, but guns are usually ineffective. You need to have some sort of either a melee weapon or a like a, a power weapon where you can have some type of field effect, um, where it's closer to magic. Where I, I like I like the uh, the um, emergent um, or I like the combination of magic and science. So a lot of the the uh, skills I have in my game, they're like a, a fusion of, of magic and science or or really advanced science that seems magical. So that's what I want to see in the gameplay. But for that to be really impactful, I believe it's important for the things that you're fighting to themselves be different. Like they can't just be like, oh, you, you do some damage and it falls. No, I want there to be like, um, I know there's a term for this, but I want there to be like uh, different parts of the enemies that fall off. Kind of like in Monster Hunter where, you know, you hit the tail enough. And it'll, that tail will come off, and you can then use a tail to slap the freaking monster <laughs> with his own tail. You know, stuff like that. But in my game, I have it, I have it so that like if you you know shoot the uh, shoot or hit the enemy in a certain area, you'll see like an indentation of like so. If, for instance, if you slice your sword near the center of the enemy, that center you'll see that center cut. You know, you see the the center of the enemy. You know, you see a, a cut come out of where your blade struck. So it's like you're like you're making a real impact on something. Um, again, I'm not sure how possible this is because it'll be like a lot of work. Um, I'm thinking it would have to be some sort of uh, um, voxels. So I kind of see like in my like like a Minecraft type thing where you hit the, the ground and that part of the ground comes out. But on a very much smaller smell <laughs> much smaller smell. <laughs> Much smaller scale, like on the on the um, body of an enemy, that with that enemy's body made out of voxels. So if you cut their hand off, their hand is off and it stays off. Maybe it might grow in like months or years, but um, that hand is, has been cut off. If you freaking cut a hole in them, there's going to be a hole state like that that will stay in them. It's a it's a systematic. You know, it's a part of the system of the game, not just a prop. So, uh, 
if you have a lot of enemies where you you're fighting um you can have like even if you have like gen, quote unquote generic combat where it's just you know like like you slice your sword like a medieval game you slice your sword to the enemy if the enemy actually has real impact if you feel like you have real you've made real impact with your weapon with your sword or whatever then it's going to be more fun cuz it's like oh wow I made a lasting impact on this enemy if I don't kill him you know they crawl away and I come back and find them cuz I can remember you know oh I made this cut on that enemy I think that would be freaking huge if we can somehow pull that off. Some use of uh, micro-voxels or something. I don't know. Um, but another one is, uh, again, with the enemies, is that I want them to be, like, not really have a spawn point, but, but to have, like, a reproduction system. So, <laughs> you know, if you have, you know, uh, your enemies in one area, if you leave them alone, they'll, you know, copulate and got more enemies coming out. They won't necessarily, and they'll, they'll start small, and as they get stronger, they, they, you know, they'll get larger. So if you don't kill the enemies in time, then they'll get super big or they get super numerous and overrun your camp. But if you um, kill too many of them, then you'll, you'll make them go extinct. So I think that would be a freaking amazing gameplay as well. And so you don't have those, things, <laughs> those bugs like in Days Gone where freaking a bunch of zombies just, just, just spawn on top of you out of nowhere. Um, I think that would that will have that will have a very strong impact on the emergent gameplay because now your quest turns from you know a fetch quest to to or, or rather a kill quest of you know kill ten wolves to you know manage this population of wolves in this area, <laughs> make sure they don't get too big, but don't you know kill all of them because you're gonna need those wolf pelts next winter or something like that, all right? And then um, because you have a a voxelized enemy, you can actually cut the, the, the wolf pelt off of the wolf. I mean, granted, you're probably going to have to kill that wolf. I don't, I don't imagine that's going to work if the, <laughs> the wolf is dead. Um, but you can have, you know, like a, a, a farming, or not a farming, but you can have like a, a I guess this is related to farmer, uh, farmer class. You can have a farmer class where not only do you grow plants that act in the same way that, you know, have to grow over time, but you can also skin a sheep or something where you take the skin off and you use that for, for your, uh, your crafting of your clothes. So now the person that's crafting clothes, they take the skin that you, that you gave them, the wolf pelt or the sheep skin or whatever, and then now they can design your, your new armor, your new um, wardrobe, your new clothes for you to go quest out some more. <laughs> like just imagine those emergent gameplays, those interplaying elements, you know? Uh, the more of this of stuff like that that we have, the more rich our game experiences will be, and that's very important for you know the lifeification of games. Because if you want games to be more meaningful, to have a, a a value in everyday life, then you have to make games more realistic, or at least more um, more simulistic. You know, more. Uh, I don't know what the term is, but basically realistic in that game's own world. Like for Zelda, not everything is real. You know, if you don't, if you drop some a, a, a torch on the on the the grass, it may it may not catch fire that easily. It may not catch fire every single time. It may not be that powerful of a blaze. You know, in Zelda, um, the gameplay is not super realistic. 
but it is realistic in the game's world. So if something happens once somewhere, it's going to happen again, you know, in another uh, environment. If you have the same, you know, elements, it's not going to, it's not just a bunch of props. So um, in order for games to be more valuable, you have to make it so that those games themselves have a more persistent world. Have more persistent worlds. I think that is another thing that's been talked about a lot, actually, um, with the the block simulation. It's like it's a lot of people. I forgot who said it first. Okay, names. Um, but there's a, a very popular idea going around that says you know it's more important to have to simulate one single block, like like one um, city block than it is to, to, to have a whole open world that feels empty. Because if you simulate one city block realistically, where all you have all these different systems interplaying with each other, that will be way more fun than having a huge world to interact in. Because if that huge world is empty, if there's or if there's like a, just a bunch of props that don't really intermingle with each other, then that world is going to feel more... It's going to feel empty. <laughs> um... A good example is Arizona Sunshine. This is, it's a VR game for those that don't know. But basically, like, it's a really good zombie game. Right? You can shoot a zombie, and it matters where you shoot it. Like, if you just shoot it in the leg, then its leg will, will fall off, and it will fall to the floor, and it'll be, like, crawling towards you. <laughs> if you shoot it in the arm, then it'll have a hard time crawling. You'll just have to use one leg and one arm. You know? If you shoot it in the chest, then it'll have a hole in its chest, and it'll, like, back up, and it'll, you know stumble forward towards you a little bit slower. But if you shoot in the head, it'll take it out of the game. But you can't just shoot it anywhere in the head. You, if you shoot it like in the mouth, it's just going to have, it's going to blow its mouth off. It's going to be a creepy thing still coming towards you. You have to actually shoot it in the brain, in the top part of the head, for it to stop. And they did really well with that. But unfortunately, in the, <laughs> the rest of the game is not as fleshed out. It's not as emergent in terms of the gameplay, because a lot of times there's a lot of props, so there's like cans, there. You, you can open a car door, of course you can't uh, drive a car, but you can open a car door, and there's like stuff in the back of the car, there's like cans, there's freaking spray paint, there's tape, you know, all this stuff, and a lot of times people pick up these things, and they're like, oh, can I make a flamethrower or something, and you try to taper it, no, it's just props. You have a can, you have some. You have a rag or something, you have a, a glass, can I make a Molotov cocktail, you try to put it, no, it's just, it's just a prop. So it, feels, it begins to feel empty, but luckily the, the freaking zombies are so well done that people quickly forget about the props and they just focus on the zombies. But I guarantee you, if there was more emerging gameplay, gameplay and the props themselves, then that game would be even, even better, 10 times better, 100 times better. Because now people are, are encouraged to play around in the world. They're not just going to you know, sit there in horde mode and kill a bunch of zombies. They're not just going to you know, go through the map and just breeze through and just kill all the zombies. No, they'll be focused more on like, ooh, can I make this? Can I do that? Can I do that? You know, you have more fun being immersed in that world. So, just bringing it home, we need to have that immersion gameplay. We need to have more games where... More of the items in the game, more of the elements, the gameplay elements, are actual um, sy systematic 
um, elements where they have a they, they feed into a system with each other. So you can have that emerging gameplay. Less props, more systems. Man, I could go on all day with this too, because there's so much stuff I have in my game. Um, in addition to that, like the the specific ideas of how classes work, how combat works, um, how because it's a whole open world, you can have an actual adventure class, adventurer class, um, where it's not just a person who you know fights or whatever, but a person who you can have like a navigator, you can have like a person who makes the maps. Like a lot of adventurers, they're they're important because. You know, they know how to maneuver around the, the forest or whatever, and they know how to um, make a map so you don't get lost. And if you, there's no fast travel, so you got to, you know, actually find yourself back or you end up stuck there. You know, stuff like that. You know, there's so much, so much emerging gameplay you can have. And a lot of times you, you will have to limit it, yeah, because of te- technological limits. But at least if you go in thinking on that level... You can add, you could have at least three or four or five things that you focus down on on being like the 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 systematic elements, while everything else, you know, you can let you can let fall a little bit to the wayside. That's why Zelda is still a super great game because even though you know there are problems with it, like it doesn't really reward exploration. Like if you go in certain areas, you know, you might not find anything of worth. Or you might only find a Korok seed. Um, but if you find that Korok seed, you know, you can use it, whatever. But it's, it won't be as important. But some gameplay elements. Bye-bye.